0: if you were to imagine, if you were to picture the perfect opportunity for you to really experience the power of God, for you to really experience Easter, to really experience the power of resurrection, what would that look like? I mean, if you could, if you could envision a time where you would really have it sink into your heart what life is all about and how life is meant to work, what would you envision? What would you see? What do you imagine? Now, I'm not sure what you just pictured. I'm not sure what you imagined. But I would be willing to guess that for many of you watching, for many of you worshiping with us online today, you have had experiences in your life recently that are actually perfect opportunities to experience the power of Easter, the power of resurrection, actually incredible opportunities to really have it sink in what life is about and, and, and how life is meant to work. Because the power of resurrection is experienced not so much when we feel ourselves strong or when life is going the way we think it should go and the way we've planned, but actually it's often when we come to the end of ourselves, when we feel like we have nothing left to give, when we feel like we have no more strength. It's there where God meets us with the message and the hope and the power of Easter. Because we have a God who gives us something better, a God who gives us life from finish to start. The lesson we have today is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-9. to 9. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead." Now the lesson we have today, it is part of a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of... Corinth. What we have up here is actually, it's a picture, this is a modern picture of, of Greece today. The city of Corinthos is still there. The, the ancient is probably a bit over from it. Um, but it's just kind of fun, I think, to look at the more modern map, partly because, you know, so Stella, Ruth, and I, we have family over there in, in Greece. I know some of them have been watching services lately, so if you're watching in Greece, um, hey, hey everyone, good, great to see you. So it's not too far from Athens where our family lives is where, where Corinth would be. Also, um, just a, just kind of a fun thing to share, we have a, a local olive oil guy who uh, his family has farms back on the Peloponnese Peninsula, so not too far from Corinth, um, from Corinthos, and he still goes back and presses the olives, and that's where we get our, our olive oil. So if you're curious about that guy and what he has, ask me about it uh, afterwards, message me, I'd love to share it with you. So, I mean, it's a, very, it's a place that is, is familiar to, to me, and or at least close by to some of our family, is where these people were, where Paul wrote this letter to them. And Paul was very familiar with these people, too, because Paul actually, on one of his missionary journeys, uh, was in Corinth, and he actually started the church there in Corinth. And he spent some considerable time there, which is probably part of why his heart was so grieved with some of the challenges that were going on there in the city of Corinth and in the church there in Corinth. See, so the city of Corinth, in, in many ways, actually, it's interesting. It, it was similar in some ways to the city of Madison, probably, the city that, that we are so close to right here. Similar size, maybe somewhat in personality, socially as well. It's a city that had a, a number of educated people. Um, it was a very impressive city in many ways. And so the people in the church there had the same sort of mindset, too, in, in a negative way, where they were just enamored with preachers, who sounded impressive, who were really good at public speaking, they were just caught up in people who, who shared things that sounded just like super wise, like they seemed really smart and intelligent and and progressive and, and, and just really like ahead of their time. They were really into this, um, which is, which is fine, which is which in good in many ways i mean it 's great to be a good public speaker it 's great to be to be educated, to be wise, to be on the cutting edge of new ways of thinking. Those are great things. Uh, many of these these people that they were, were really enamored with were people who seemed really successful in their lives. That's great. But the problem is when you start to get so caught up in those things and think that that's what life is about. and And instead of being so focused on... God's Word and and the life that Christ gives, they were getting caught up in these other things. And actually, as they were getting caught up in these other things, and people who seemed like impressive speakers or people who seemed um, that they were just so successful in life, what was going on is these people, as they were getting caught up in this way, the church there was actually getting pulled off to be thinking about uh, false ideas and false things. Since they weren't basing their faith and their life on Jesus, on the message of God's Word, they were actually becoming very proud of false ideas and false ways of thinking. And so what Paul has done a number of times now, actually, so we have two letters in, in, in the Bible, but also he made a visit and so on, Paul really brings out to them and lays out to them that, hey, the way God works is not the way the rest of the world typically works. God's ways look upside down to the world. God doesn't need someone to be a powerful speaker. God doesn't need someone to seem wise And God is not just trying to give you a life that seems successful. As a matter of fact, God loves to work in ways that don't seem powerful, through people that don't seem powerful, who aren't impressive, as a way of showing that he is so powerful that he doesn't need us to be impressive. It's not about our strength or our ability. God often actually works the best, or we see him most clearly at work, through situations that don't look impressive or successful. God's ways often look upside down because God is wanting to show us, wanting us to experience something better, a power that isn't our own power, a life that is better than our typical life or our typical way of looking at life. And our lesson today is part of Paul introducing that idea again, this concept again, helping the people to see, helping us to see that God often is most clearly at work. We, we, we often see him the most clearly, experiencing the most clearly not in ways that look impressive. Not when we feel like we are being very successful. Often it's when we don't feel successful or strong at all. When we reach the end of ourselves, when we reach the end of our limits, when we reach what feels like the finish, it's then that we start to experience the power of God and the power of Resurrection. Sarah, listen, it begins, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. Now that word hardships, it's really, it's the idea of pressing something together, of squeezing something together. Now, as a dad of a four-year-old, I, of course, have plenty of Play-Doh in my house. And so you think about a ball of Play-Doh, and you think about how you can take that and you can just squeeze it, squish it together. This is the idea here, with Paul, he's saying that they had some things there where they felt like they were just squished together, squeezed together, pressed together. But then also he goes on to say that we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. And the idea of there is having something on you, some sort of burden that is just pressing you down. And here it's translated pressure, the word really more so it describes power. There's some sort of power on them. There was some sort of power on them that was this big, powerful burden weighing them down more than they could even possibly bear. They felt pressed together like Plato, like you can squeeze Plato together. Like there was this power on them that was just weighing them down more than they could possibly bear. And he goes on to say, so that we despaired even of life. In other words, they felt so pressed together, so squished by what was happening. That there was such a power on them that was just crushing them. The way the words read in the original language, it describes him now feeling like and, and, and it's seeming like there was no way to go forward. He felt like they were to a point in their lives, a point with what was happening, where it seemed like they had reached a dead end and that there was no way out how Paul felt. That's where Paul was. That's where he and his companions were. So squished by life, so burdened by this power, so crushed by the power that was was at work against them, that it looked like they had reached a dead end, that they had reached the finish line, and there was no way to go forward. Now what events could have done this in in, in Paul's life? I mean, there, there's a variety of things that we could look at as potentials. He doesn't tell us for sure, but we can look at a couple examples. I mean, uh, for instance, when Paul was in the city of Ephesus now uh, That city was this great city known for um, worship of false god Artemis. And so as Paul is sharing the gospel there and as people are being brought to faith in Jesus, they're not worshiping this false god anymore. And this false goddess there um, was a big part of the economy. Um, and so as people weren't worshiping the false goddess, a lot of people were losing money. They were very angry with Paul, rioted against him, and so on. Um, so that, that, that might be one example. Uh, whatever it was, we do know, if, if you look at the verse that comes after us from a lesson, Paul describes them experiencing deadly peril. Where he had an experience where it looked like they could actually die. It was that dangerous. And whatever what it was that Paul is talking about, whatever the situations have been for Paul, he also describes in verse 15 how he had made certain plans. He was planning to go and see them there, but then those plans were changed. Paul had been experiencing something that was dangerous, and it looked like he was going to die, and he had certain plans, but now everything was changed and thrown out of whack with what was going on. Paul and his companions, they felt squished by life, crushed by a power. They had reached what seemed like a dead end, and it looked like there was no way out. That's how Paul felt. When have you felt that way? When have you felt squished by life, crushed by life? Like you don't know how things are going to go forward. Like you've reached the end, the finish, and you're not sure how things are going to go forward from here. When have you been there? You know, we have a unique opportunity today to really think about that and to really take hold of that and, and to really personally evaluate this. Because while I'm standing here in a church preaching to you this morning, but you're probably watching this at home and I'm actually, I'm aware that you're probably, I mean, maybe you're in your pajamas um, watching this at home and that's cool. And, uh, but what that does though, that it gives you an opportunity to think about, um, to think about this in in a way where you can actually look around your home, your real life and think about real times where you've experienced what Paul's describing in this lesson where you felt just, just, pressed together, squeezed together by life, where there's this power that's been so heavy on you that you just feel crushed, where you just, you feel like you're at the end of yourself and you don't know how you're going to go forward. I mean, maybe it's when you came through the front door right over here uh, this week. Uh, You came back, you're an essential worker, you came back from your job and you're just exhausted, and now you have to teach the kids their their, their classwork. And so you're just, all right, how do I go ahead and do that? Maybe it's when you sat on the kitchen table over here uh, this morning and you had another meal by yourself. And you can't remember when the last time was that you had somebody here at your house because you've been social distancing and you're spending even more time by yourself than, than usual. Maybe it's when you've been over here in the kitchen and you've got extra time right now to, to cook really nice meals because um, you're laid off from work, but you're also wondering, okay, what's next for my job, for my business, or just the economy as a whole, how things gonna turn out? Maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's when you've been out in the backyard doing the projects and just trying to keep your mind busy. Uh, but the reality is your heart is, 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 is hurting as you are concerned about people you know who are immunocompromised and you're just praying that they don't get sick. Or maybe you're one of our young people and you've been spending a lot of time down in your bedroom and you're just scrolling through Instagram, you know, just trying to find something or YouTube, something to, to watch um, to bring some, some life to the day because everything you look forward to that helps you get through the day, just keeps getting canceled one thing after another. Wherever you are, whatever you're feeling, however you're feeling that way, part of the beauty of this lesson is as we talk about feeling pressed, being being be squeezed together, as feeling crushed by some power of wondering how we're going to go forward. remember, these are Paul's words describing Paul's experience, which means Paul has experienced what it is to feel, the way you felt, the way you feel in these situations. And Paul not only experienced that, but he wrote this in God's word, which gives us another great reminder that God knows what it's like. He knows where you're at. He knows all about feeling squeezed, feeling crushed, feeling like what's, what's ahead. God gets it. He knows where you are, and he meets you right there where you are with whatever you're going through, wherever you feel like you're just crushed, you're just squeezed, and you're at the end of yourself, when you reached Your finish line, he meets you there.
1: What is this? I don't recognize this pain broke in and took it all. Took the song from the springtime and the dance from the flame. Took the noonday warmth and the morning hush. Now the ground's spilling beneath me. The ropes are uncoiling, the trees are leafless, the sky is torn. My breath's a broken feather. There's no beauty left. There's nothing here for me. I'm paper thin. I'm in a room of shadows and it's caving in. I'm turning in circles, I'm giving up. The world is giddy, the sense is gone. The floor is an ocean, I'm sinking in. Where are you now? Where is your touch? Where is the reason, the answer, the end? Now I'm chasing your shadow and I'm grasping for questions. I'm calling out, I'm asking why. Yet when I turn, you turn. When I reach, you reach. And in the searing burn, you wait for me. Dress my tears in kisses, cradle my grief, touch me in the silence, hold me in the heat. And when the raging's rush, drown me in defeat, I make my bed of dust, and you lie with me.
0: Your God is right there with you. He gets you. He understands you. But not only does he get you and understand you, but he is there with you where you have reached your finish line so that he can work something in you, so he can show you something, so you can go from finish to start and start experiencing something better. Start experiencing the power of resurrection. So your lesson, as it continues, it says that indeed our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. He, they said that they were right there in this most awful situation, that if there was a sentence, if there was a judgment, the judgment was that they were dead, that there was no future, no hope. They reached the finish line. But they were in that situation for a reason. God was doing something in it. He said, this happened then we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Let's be real. We rely on us. We rely on ourselves. We all naturally, we want to do things. We want to rely on us. Our strength, our wisdom, our ability. Our ability to figure it out, our ability to plan, our ability to control. We want to rely on us. And I got to tell you, like, like the more I, 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 I study God's word, the more I want to apply the truth of God to my life, the more I realize I struggle with this. The more I realize that I rely on myself. And it's actually, it's like the more that I, the more that I, I think about it and want to rely on God instead of me, it's like the more, you know, I, I feel this need to try to rely on me. It's just, it's just a strange thing. But, but why do we do this? Why do we struggle in this way? If you go back to the very beginning, if you go back to the event with Adam and Eve and the garden and the serpent, what was the temptation? the temptation that led to Adam and Eve bringing sin and brokenness and suffering and death in this world. It was was this temptation. You will be like God, this lie. You will be like God. You don't have to trust what he says. How do you know he's trustworthy? You need to do what looks good in your eyes. If you do this, you will be like God. You will decide good and evil. That was the lie that was behind sin, and that's the lie that we are all born believing that we need to depend on us and rely on us. And that, that's the lie that God wants us to be free from. He doesn't want us to depend on us anymore. But to depend on him. He doesn't want us to depend on us and our strength and our ability but to rely completely on the God who raises the dead. To have a life that comes completely from God. And that's what he accomplished on Easter. That's what Easter is all about. Easter is all about the fact that God himself saw that we tend to rely on ourselves instead of him. So what he did was he came into this world, he became the man Jesus— And he lived the perfect life that we don't live, but then he completely trusted his Father, relied on his Father, all the way to the point of dying on a cross. He trusted his Father, and he and his Father carried out this plan where he would go to the cross, and on the cross, he would become sin for us. So that all of our wrongdoings, all of our sin, all of our self-reliance would die there with him. You and I, through faith in Jesus, who we were, our sin, our self-reliance, died there with him. When we believe in Jesus, we believe that there's nothing good that we can do to make God love us. There's nothing we can do to set the world right. We, when we believe in Jesus, we completely trust that he died for our sins, and we trust in what happened then on the third day. We rely on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that the payment for those sins was made, so that on Easter Sunday, he would rise again to give something better, to give something new. When we believe in Jesus, we are connected to that story. We talked about that on on Easter Sunday how we get to see our story as part of a bigger story. And we are now, our story is part of this story of a God who loved this world and when this world became broken and sinful, came into this world, laid down his life, died and then rose again. And when we are part of that story, when we believe in that God, what has taken place is now we no longer trust in and believe in ourselves but now we trust and believe in him and in his goodness and in his power. God wants us to stop. He wants us to finish depending on ourselves, but to start depending on him. And God accomplishes that beautifully through these moments where we reach the end of ourselves, the finish line of our strength and our ability. You know, it's, it's one of those things I mentioned before about how, you know, it's like the more I try to depend on God and trust in God, sometimes the more, like, I, I end up depending on myself. You know, the, the, the thing about trusting in God and in His power is that the more we try to trust in Him, if you're like me, the more I trust in my trying to be like Him. I, I know that sounds confusing. I, I hope this makes sense. Let me try to say it again. The more I try to trust in him, the more I trust my trying to trust in him. It's kind of like, like trying not to think about something or trying to be humble. You try to be humble, and what do you end up doing? You end up thinking about yourself more than other people. It doesn't work. When we try to trust more in God, we end up just trusting more in ourselves. So what God does is God uses situations where we reach our finish line, where it looks like there's no way out. It's there that he shows us the power of resurrection, and it's there that we start experiencing something better. God, over and over again in the Christian life, wants to show us, wants us to experience and to come to know that we can trust and rely in the God who raises the dead more than ourselves. We had this, this example before. This example before of Abraham in the Old Testament, and of how God brought Abraham to this this difficult time where, I mean, he made a promise that, okay, I'm going to bless the world through you and then through this son, Isaac, but now I want you to kill him. I mean, what? How is that going to work? What God was doing there, this test, was about teaching Abraham. We're told that Abraham reasoned that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. Abraham experienced the power of the God who raises the dead through that event, That's what God was doing. That's what God was was up to. He was showing Abraham the power of resurrection. And again and again, God is showing us the power of resurrection. When you reach what seems like the finish line, when you reach the end of your power and your strength, where you feel like you have nothing left to give, when you reach that finish line, that's when God wants you to start. To start experiencing resurrection. To start experiencing resurrection his power. That's the perfect opportunity for it. And what if we recognize that? What if we recognize that in these moments when we feel like we've come to the end of ourselves, when we've reached the finish line, what if we began to recognize what God is about to do in those moments? You know, when we read this lesson before from Luke with the women who went to the tomb, it just strikes me how they were told by Jesus. They were told that he would rise again in the third day And it it strikes me because I realize that as they went to the tomb, when they brought the spices, they brought the wrong things. You realize that? They should not have gone to that tomb expecting to see a dead body. They should have went to that tomb expecting to see Jesus alive again because he told them he would. It looked like they had reached the finish line, but really, Easter was just starting. It was just beginning. When you and I have reached our finish line, when we're feeling like, well, how do we even go forward? That's the situation where Easter happens. That's where we start to experience a resurrection. What if we, when we feel like we have reached our finish, our end, we're at the end of ourselves, what if we stopped and praised God for what he was about to do? How he was about to have there be resurrection. How he was about to give new life and about to show us his power. We can do that. We have the privilege of doing that because what God wants us again and again in our lives, what God wants to do is to have us finish depending on ourselves, to finish depending on our strength, and to start experience the power of resurrection. God's word is clear that he doesn't want us to live in our limits anymore. He doesn't want us to experience life that is limited by us anymore, but he wants us to experience better. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when we depend on ourselves, we limit our lives. If I depend only, if my life is based on how good I am, then my life will only be as ever as good as I am. If I depend on how smart or how wise I am for things to work out, then things will only work out according to how as smart and wise I am. I limit myself. I don't know about you, but the more I think about myself, the more I, I come become self-aware, the more I realize that I don't know how to fix the world. I don't know how to set everything right. I don't know how to make everything the way it should be. And I certainly am not a perfect person. I'm sinful and broken. And so... If I ever want the hope, if I ever want to experience a world where things are right, where things aren't sinful anymore, where things aren't broken anymore, then I'm not able to do it. I can't. If I only ever depend on myself, then I will be limited by myself. And my, my forever experience would be a life not knowing God. If I, if I trust in myself, then I will have a life that is only limit, is limited by my own ability. And I don't want that. And God doesn't want that either. God doesn't want us to have a life limited by us and how good we are and how smart or wise we think we are. He wants us to experience more. He says it again over and over in his word. We have these verses here from from Ephesians. And I have a feeling we may talk a bit more, more about these verses yet in this Easter season. These verses that say, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. God wants us to, ha- ha- to, to, to ponder, to take hold of the power of resurrection, because that power of resurrection. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to experience something better. He wants us to finish, experience life where we depend on ourselves, where we are limited by ourselves, and to experience life that has no limits, because it's life that comes not from us, but from a limitless God. Again and again, God works where we feel like we've reached our end where we've come to the finish, he works through those times so that we can start to experience the power of resurrection. And every time we do, every time we experience that power, we get a glimpse, we get a taste, we have it sinking deeper into our hearts that this God of resurrection is at work not only in our lives today, but someday he will set everything right. Someday we will rise to, and someday we will experience life that is not limited by sinful people and by brokenness, but a life that comes from the God who knows no limits, the God who is completely good and completely perfect, a life that has lived to its fullest extent, that isn't limited by us anymore, but comes completely from our perfect. You and I, we come to times in our lives when we feel like we've reached the the, the end of our strength and our ability. And when we get to those times, those are when Easter happens. Those are when God loves to show us that it is a blessing to reach the finish line of depending on ourselves. Because when we reach the finish line of depending on ourselves, we start who experience the power of the one who raises the dead. We start to experience life, not limited by us, but from the one who is limitless. When you feel like you've reached the end, that you've reached that line, maybe what we need to do is actually to take out a piece of paper, whatever it is, and draw a line and write finish on one side. Go ahead and write it. And maybe you write down the things that make you feel finished. But then after you do that, on the other side of that line, write start. Because when you feel finished, that's when the power of Easter starts, become clear and more real for you. And every time you experience the power of resurrection, it is a glimpse of the resurrection that is ahead. When this world reaches its finish line, and then we start standing with our God at the resurrection. Take hold of these moments. Celebrate what God is doing. Take hold of something better. And know that we have a God who gives us life from finish to start.